0: The episode you're about to hear is a throwback to an episode from a few months ago. The Stories of Men Beneath the Surface podcast has been releasing new episodes every week for over a year now. I wanted to celebrate this by highlighting some of the most exciting, inspiring and moving stories I've been fortunate enough to share with you. I love making this show and shining a light on the highs and lows of modern masculinity. I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode. It was definitely one of my absolute favourite conversations. I'm absolutely convinced that all men, including you and I, have hidden potential that's not been tapped into. The team and I have designed a quiz for you to work out what that could be, and there's a link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more at the end, but for now, enjoy the episode. In this series, we hear stories about the role masculinity plays in today's world, as I try to become a better version of myself every day. Join me and let's discover this together.
1: I physically stopped. I stopped and I looked at this big glass building and these big doors that I'd walked in so many times. I couldn't. My my. It was as if my legs
0: had grown roots. Today's guest is Darren Smith from Essex. In this episode, we'll find out what happened when Darren realised his mental health was in crisis, and what we do as men when we confront a feeling of failure. Darren was working in finance. He had a great apartment, great car. Technically, he had everything he'd ever wanted. But something wasn't right. He was drinking too much, not sleeping, and feeling under increasing pressure at work. It all became too much one morning, when Darren was walking to the office.
1: There'd been a few mornings leading up to this uh, The dread the fear of 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 going into the office and my partner worked at the same office and we walked in and the seven minute walk felt like on that day it felt like it was 30 seconds and i didn't want it i wanted it to be half hour but as i was going through that walk i could feel myself getting hotter and hotter and hotter It was kind of like a nice spring morning, certainly not warm enough for me to be perspiring and sweating as much as I, as I was. Ordinarily we'd go and get a coffee from the coffee shop, but I just said, no, don't feel right. I'll leave the coffee. And I then crossed the road and I could feel myself starting to cry. I could feel that and this pain in my chest. Which initially I thought was I was having a heart attack, but then I could feel it a bit lower down, and I and I thought this is this is like nerves. I've I, I got got nervous, and I physically stopped. I stopped, and I looked at this big glass building and these big doors that I'd walked in so many times. I couldn't. My my. It was as if my legs had grown roots. And all I remember hearing was just all these people going to work and doing their daily life. And all I could focus on was me crying out loud, sobbing, and not knowing what was going on, which then made me cry even harder. And all the time this is going on, my partner Stacey, is talking to me, I can't hear her because all I can hear it's just the, all this noise. People, you know, cars going past, people going past, going into the office, people walking past me, people were drinking their coffee, people chatting. Morning, how are you? But I couldn't hear Stacy. I just couldn't physically walk in. It felt like I was there for, for ages. I was probably there for 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. And, and I felt Stacy hold my hand and she managed to pull me and she she managed to walk me away and um, I just couldn't stop crying I just couldn't stop crying all the time Stacey was just kept asking what's wrong what's wrong and I just I didn't have an answer I didn't have an answer and that frustrated me even more so at this point I've done all my crying But now I'm asking myself, why don't I know what's wrong with me? Why can't I say to Stacey, oh yeah, it's because of this. And again, that's probably another 60 seconds. And then I just had this overriding embarrassment and everyone was looking at me and everyone knew that I was struggling. And all I wanted to do was just get back to the apartment as quick as possible because it then felt like absolutely everybody was looking at this man bawling his eyes out for no apparent reason and I literally just said to Stacey look you go into work I've I've just got to go home I just need to go home I don't know what it is I just need to go home and I literally walked as quick as I could to get back to the apartment that walk back was just a, a, a seven-minute kind of kicking of myself in here, you know, what, what are my parents gonna think, what's my son gonna think, what does Stacey think, and I got in the apartment and just broke down again, just sobbed my eyes out, not knowing why, not knowing why. And that's where I sat for the whole day, just sitting there crying on and off for a whole day, trying to work out what was wrong with me. I was probably having a little look on on, on the internet, I think, to find out why I was crying or what the pain in my chest was. But the overriding emotions was that I'd failed. I'd, I'd... throw my career away, I'd let everybody down, and, and and those feelings have stayed with me for a long, long time.
0: What did Stacey do when, like, what was the conversation you had with her before you, you made that walk back to the apartment?
1: I told her to go back to work. I said, that I'll, I'll work out, I'll be okay, you just go to work. And that's, you know, that's quite a poignant part because it's what I've done for the last 10 years is push people away and try to deal with it myself or try to fix it myself. Um, And I think, you know, if I look back with a bit of hindsight, if I was that, you know, if I was me looking down on me, I was trying to be the, the, the stereotypical man. And say, look, I'm all right. I'm clearly, clearly, not, but I'm all right. You go to work. You carry on, and I'll and I'll work it out. Um, I, I was able just to call in sick at that moment and and, and say, look, look, I'm just having an uh, upset tummy. I don't know whatever whatever or thing it was, and just said, look, I'm not, not very well. I I'm having the day off.
0: Do you think it's reflective of the time that it was then? So that's this is 2011, where you don't know what anxiety is. You're just feeling this thing. Do you think that if you'd have, if you'd have had this breakdown now in 2022, you'd have gone, oh, that's that's anxiety, or that's a panic attack, or these are the feelings I'm I'm feeling.
1: Obvious answer to that is yes. Straight away, yes if 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 we fast, no, fast forward or I, my scenario happens in 2022, yes, the awareness for me would be better. Having said that, my awareness has come through my journey of my mental health over 10 years, 10, 11 years. I think the biggest thing that's changed where I then had the fear of my staff or my managers or calling in to say, I'm sick. I think now today, those three elements are completely different to how they were 2011. Because I think now, staff at any level, wherever you are on that staff um, pyramid, people have a better better awareness. Of someone who has mental health. I think, secondly, being able to phone up and say, and I still think there's a bit of an issue with that, and I think there's still a little bit of a stigma, but I think that it's more acceptable to say, I'm struggling with my mental health, and therefore I won't be in the office today.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting how things have changed in the last 10 years. You've got a lot of people in the public eye, sports stars, footballers, film stars, all coming out talking about their their mental health issues. But for example, your your partner, Stacey, you know, if that if this would have happened now, she would have been aware of it as well. Or oh, you're, you're having an anxiety kind of episode, or you're having a panic attack or whatever it might be. Let's do this, this, and this. And I, I'm almost thinking that perhaps going back home and having to call in sick and then you know, feeling really emotional and you're, you're crying, etc. at home. Perhaps that period might not have lasted so long if we'd, as a society, as, uh, as a country, as, you know as people in the world, we'd have been quicker on this, about the awareness. But like it's a stigma, isn't it? Because you have this fear of fear of what people think, and some people, and even I sometimes says, "Oh, I don't care what people think." but actually you do. You know it, sometimes these are irrational fears.
1: you know. I- there's a lots of analogies out there for, you know, mental health compared to other other illnesses or ailments. But the one I always use is if you break a bone, you have a set period of time that that bone is going to be in plaster. So it might be an eight to 10 week period where, you know, you're in a cast and everyone else knows you're in a cast because it's a physical thing. You then come out of the plaster and you have a period of physiotherapy. Now, let's put that into mental health, because mental health isn't as straightforward as just putting a plaster around here. There's all different permutations. But the first thing, or the first timeline that's generally thought about or discussed is, the doctor will sign you off for two weeks. Two weeks. Therefore, people think they're gonna get better in two weeks. How can someone get better in two weeks when they've potentially been dealing with stuff for months or years it's not going to happen if you then look at it from a point of view the brain is the most powerful thing in the world right some are not as powerful as others right mine's not as powerful as, as as others right but someone's telling me you're gonna have two weeks to get that better there's there's a problem there. What do you think?
0: It's difficult to put a, a predefined number on these things. Oh well, you you got depression, you've got anxiety. Two, okay, I, two weeks. Whereas I feel like the medical community have kind of got it down a lot more when it comes to like you. I think I like that analogy. You know, you've got your leg in a cast. Everyone can see it. Everyone's writing things. Probably if your mates are on it, they'll probably do some inappropriate drawings on your <laughs> plaster and things. But, but
1: ultimately, what is what is going on that cast? It's all positive, isn't it, right? No one's going to write a negative piece on that cast. And that's the next thing. If I talk about it, is, is you know, you're in that cast, people see it, but they not only are they seeing it, they're actually writing Get Well Soon or Can't Wait to See You Back or, you know, you owe me a pint, whatever, whatever, right? And and the rude stuff, you know, it might be a pair of boobs. That helps you, right? When you're then struggling with mental health, do you get the same influx of positivity? No way. And that's because people don't see it, and there's still, even today in 2022, there's still a stigma.
0: How were the conversations with your closest male friends about your? Your mental health issues didn't happen. Didn't happen.
1: The only person that knew the extent of my issues was my partner, Stacy. My parents didn't know, and some of that was driven by me because I still didn't know. Even though I went to the doctors, and the doctor said, "Oh yeah, look, I think you've got some stress going on. I think you've got a bit of depression going on. There's a bit of anxiety there. Here's some tablets." Ooh, not sure if I want to take tablets, but hey, ho- hold on. And even then, I still didn't know what it was. But even when I started to understand it a little bit more, the overriding emotion was that I was a failure. And I couldn't open up. I couldn't tell anybody.
0: When you said you felt like a, a failure, but the only person who knew was your partner, Stacy. Did you have kind of these fears of, oh, she's going to think I'm less of a man? Is she Is she going to stay with me? These are the things that men talk about, don't they? they? They worry when their partner finds out because they're supposed to be this masculine man and I'm a protector and I need to be strong and I can never be weak and I can never show that.
1: All of the above, Alex, all of the above. And I'll add to that, working in the finance industry that I'd been in since I was 17, liking the material elements that go along with that having a core belief that i want to be successful but i need to be successful because i am a man so yeah absolutely and and, and i think the the industry that i worked in fanned the flames to me then blaming work when it wasn't work but that was the kind of well, I don't want to say the get out but it was the obvious thing you know you work in finance so you've you've blown out you know you've, you've crashed and, and and I walked away I walked away from that industry and that again added to my failure element but I walked I'm back in it now I'm back in it after a after a ten-year break, but I, I, I blamed the work and the and the the environment, and I didn't look at this and the whys and the wheres and the whats.
0: Being in that industry and from what I know about friends who work in there and the stories that they tell me, do you think that that almost contributed? Some of it contributed to your your mental health issues because. It's almost like a fight for power. I don't know if you've heard of a book called uh, 48 Laws of Power, Robert Greene. Those kinds of books, and they are talking about or Art of War, Sun Tzu, where they're using these different strategies, because it's almost like it's not acceptable to go around like our ancestors did thousands of years ago with spears and swords and and killing each other. So what we used to do as men all those thousands of years ago is now we've transferred that into the battlefield of of the finance industry. The fight for money and control.
1: Yeah, and it's not just finance. I don't want to tarn finance with, 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 with a, a, a dark brush because there's lots of people that work in finance who are very successful and don't suffer. And as I said, I've got back into that world and I absolutely love it. But I'm a, I'm a different person. But yes, there is, there is elements. And, and, and for me, I kind of point out two things on that. One is the competition. So naturally... There is a competition for promotions. There's competition to be better than the person that's next to you. There's competition to make sure you don't make any mistakes, um, et cetera, etc. And then there's the element of, well, while you're working as hard as you are, let's go and play as hard as we are. So you work hard, play hard. So you don't think nothing of going out at lunchtime, and having a couple of pints. Um, because that's where you get to meet people who might be able to help you out with a new job or, or a promotion or some more business. And then you don't think nothing of, oh, let's just jump and have a couple of pints before we go home. And that just con- continues. You know, your weekend started on Thursday. You went out with clients, you went out with your brokers, you went out with your work colleagues. That was the start. So then you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday lunch month you know you, they, yeah there was there was a lot of a lot of drinking and a lot of partying and that does play its part definitely
0: yeah and you're expected to and it depends on the culture as well i've been to places, countries like korea and japan and if you don't if you your boss invites you to go out and you say no it's a real disrespectful thing to do to reject those overtures and say no actually i won't do it because then you kind of question well if i don't do it i'm not part of the the work gang so to speak and i'm kind of an outsider at that point but there you like you say if you're doing thursday friday saturday sunday drinking and you've got these clients that you've got to look after it can all be almost like a build-up like a pressure cooker and and at some point you can just explode can you tell me how are you different now so you you leave the you leave the finance industry you take that time off that you needed and and also was that like a You know, was that kind of your medicine to be away from that for a while?
1: Okay, so I've worked in various different industries. I had a restaurant for a couple of years that was kind of like a bucket list. So I was able to do that and I kind of ticked that off. And I've worked in the car industry. I'm a big petrol head, although I worked with electric cars. But all that time, I kept beating myself up. You walked away from a career, you walked away, and that really took me to a point of, of, of suicide and and led me to being sectioned and spending six weeks in hospital. But to answer your question why am I how am I different now?" I've admitted that I've got mental health issues. I, I, I struggle with my mental health. Um, I'm kind of on the on the very low end of, of the bipolar scale.
0: How do you feel when you say, I struggle with mental health issues or I, I have that? How does it make you feel now compared to previously?
1: It makes me feel amazing. <laughs> no one's ever asked that question. That's, I like that. That's a great question. How do I feel? I feel that I'm overcoming it. I, I manage my
0: mental health now. So what you're saying is, you're saying it comes from strength, not weakness now. Correct. Correct.
1: Admitting, admitting that you have a mental health issue is definitely not a weakness. But it's taken me 11 years to work that out, right? I now have a toolbox that's my own that allows me to manage my mental health. You've me, asking me that question. It, it's, it's great that I now know how to manage my mental health and I know all the stuff that I've found out. But just as you said, how am well I feeling? Is, is I wish I'd realised it sooner because I don't think I would have hurt as many people if I'd have known sooner.
0: What would you say to anyone who can admit that they've got mental health issues right now?
1: pick up the phone and talk to me (laughs) um talk man or woman you've just got to talk to someone and tell them how you're feeling and if you don't get the response you want from the first person it's not you it's that person so talk to the second person or the third person If it takes four or five people until you start to hear things that you want to hear that's what it'll take because you know and you mentioned it earlier Alex you know talking to mates you're not sure when they respond is it because they don't understand or is it because you've actually hit a raw nerve and they're struggling but they'll never admit that they're struggling and that's the thing, you know, sometimes with men, it is the, what's he talking about? I don't really understand. And then there is other bits that goes, I can't put, I can't let my guard down. I can't tell him I'm feeling the same. When ultimately you should, because then you've got shared experience, right? Go back to a broken bone. If you know someone has broken a bone, do you ask them how they got through it? Of course you do. Do you offer help as well? If you broke the leg and say, "Oh, I did this when I did it," now mental. Obviously, I will on a forum like this, or if anyone wants to talk to me, I'll talk to them about my toolbox. But you don't just go up to someone and go, "Oh, you struggling with mental health? let what about this? You know, and it isn't one size fits all. It's all about managing your your, your mental health.
0: It's interesting you say that because I watched the documentary with Tyson Fury and. I think he was in, because he lives in Morecambe, but he was with all his kids around that area. And he, he saw some lad, he must have been about 13, 14 or something. And he comes up to, he comes up to Tyson. I think he's like, oh, Tyson, I can't believe it's Tyson Fury or whatever. And this kid said, nice to meet you, and walks off. And Tyson Fury goes, I reckon that kid's struggling with mental health. So he runs after him runs after this kid and actually says, do you struggle with mental health issue? You know, you struggle with mental health, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis. But he said, yeah, I do. And I think he talked about his mother and his father and I think they had separated or whatever. So that was the that was the time that I really thought, oh, wow, that someone's actually said to someone, do you struggle with mm. mental health issues? But it's not, it's not a common thing, is it?
1: No, definitely not. It's not common. We're breaking through small barriers um, with things like, podcast like this you know where people can listen to them without other people knowing we're getting there with Andy's Man Club you know the groups are opening up every single week and it's an opportunity for men to talk right it's peer-to-peer talking so you've got a forum to go and talk about it and you mentioned earlier you know more and more people in the public eye are now talking about it
0: a lot of empathy for Darren. This was 2011, a time when people weren't willing to open up, especially men, about things like their mental health and just their overall feelings day to day. For example, I can talk to my friends in 2022 about how I'm feeling if I'm having a difficult day. The idea of failure is a difficult one that's deeply rooted in males and masculinity. It's all about being a winner, all about being strong all about making our parents proud of us by coming first in the running race at school. I feel like we have a distorted view of failure. It doesn't mean that we're tainted in any way. It doesn't mean that we're broken. It's something that we can use to improve for next time, but it's often not seen that way. I like the quote that Gary Neville, the ex-Manchester United footballer says about failure. He says that failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. A tattoo makes you think of something that's permanent. Failure isn't permanent. In the episode Darren talked about when people wear a cast and we make light of it. We look upon it as a positive thing where we write encouraging statements on the on the cast and in some cases we put funny little jokes on there as well. And the same can't be said for mental health. It's not like you can wear a band that says I have mental health problems on your forehead. So what do we do in this situation? Well, How about we associate ourselves with people who are going to lift us up not bring us down if all of your friends are positive uplifting people then chances are you'll be that way as well thanks so much for listening to today's episode with Darren if you'd like to learn more about our voices make sure you go to our website ourvoicespodcast.com and also follow us on Spotify and while you're there it would be great if you could give us a five-star rating it would really help us to grow the show Thanks so much, and we look forward to giving you another incredible episode next week. Before you go, let me tell you about our man test. The team and I created it with the belief that every man has hidden, untapped potential, and I want to help you discover what it could be. Let's face it, we've all got dreams and aspirations. But the stresses of life can get in the way. I know I've been there myself. As men, each one of us has skills and knowledge that sets us apart from the rest. It's about discovering what they are and making the most of them. The man test is simple. It takes less than three minutes and will help you discover your true strengths and talents by working out what kind of modern man you really are. Find the link in the show notes and take the man test today. You never know, you might just learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before.